0: This podcast is sponsored by Primal Kitchen Restaurants, providers of fast, casual dining experiences where taste and the freshest ingredients always come first. To learn more about franchise opportunities, visit primalkitchenrestaurants.com. That's primalkitchenrestaurants.com.
1: Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. This show is presented by Damage Control Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L Russ.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am here today with physical therapist extraordinaire, Tommy Bryce. Tommy Bryce was a presenter at PrimalCon 2014 and is a doctorate in physical therapy, along with currently being an orthopedic resident. Welcome to the show. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Al, Thanks for having me.
2: I really wanted to talk to you because not only are you a former athlete, you used to play basketball for Marquette University, but Mm -hmm. you've gotten into the paleo world and we've had a lot of discussions. Uh, You're such a good friend of the Primal Blueprint family. And I wanted to talk to you today, you know, a lot about overtraining and, and we'll get into that in a bit. But tell us first, how did you even get involved in becoming a physical therapist? What turned you on to entering that profession?
0: Well, I guess uh you know I was pretty turned on to it early on. Um, I have an older sister who's a physical therapist, and uh, at a young age, I got to kind of see a little bit of the type of athlete athletes you got to work with and um I knew that uh from a from a basketball career uh, that I would probably take it a certain level and then eventually try to maybe find another career that I can enjoy and when I saw that she got to work with a lot of high-level athletes, I decided that, you know that's something I really wanted to do as well, and I kind of um, followed her suit and and took on the same type of job that she did.
2: Nice. And you, you basically just moved out to California. Welcome to our beautiful state.
0: <laughs> oh, it's great.
2: Yeah. I know. Yeah. I recently just uh, had a visit with you in Malibu. It was really fun with you and your girlfriend. You moved out here from Wisconsin, but in Wisconsin is where we sort of knew about you first. You came out to do Primal Con from Wisconsin. How did you get involved in paleo? How did you even learn about it? And then sort of why did you start to adopt it into your life?
0: Well, you know, a a big thing for me was um, in college, I was kind of just, you know, I I thought I was health conscious. I wanted to be the healthiest athlete I could be. And watching some of what my teammates ate made me try to stay motivated that, you know, we had all these resources to pretty much, you know, eat a lot of really good food. And so um, I kind of stuck to a pretty low-fat diet. And for someone who would spend four hours a day in a gym, um, I would say, despite the fact that I was getting sick all the time, it was doable because of, uh, the amount of caloric expenditure there was. And when I continued to live that lifestyle for a few years after I was done, um, my body fat, you know, was, you know, creeping up pretty high. And I had a physician that I was able to do a, um, DEXA report, which was uh, a way to kind of measure your, your body fat percentage, lean muscle mass, uh, bone mineral density, um, you know a very very accurate reading of body composition and uh it was it was creeping up slowly and surely despite doing any type of you know what i thought was as tough as a program as as i would be doing playing basketball but um i started doing a little bit more research cuz I, I i was an exercise physiology undergrad and i have some background in nutrition but it was all pretty conventional wisdom and um um you know i did actually some crossfit type training with a uh with some personal trainer at, my, at a clinic in Milwaukee, and um, you know, paleo and and primal came up in discussion. So I started digging um, a little bit more research into it online, and came across Mark's Daily Apple, and started recognizing that a lot of the um, the you know. The clinical or recognition of, of of understanding how you know blood sugar can affect you know weight gain and and um, excessive carbohydrate intake um, can can lead to uh, fat you know gain as well and and I think part of that made, clicked for me connecting my undergrad degree with some of this more um, newer research that is being discovered in, in, in the paleo world and. Um, instantly, uh, you know, we started just, you know, shedding body fat and I'd be getting this Dexa screen done every three months. And, and, then think like in a, you know, three month period, I went from like 19% to 14% body fat, to 12% body fat. And then I was kind of back in my basketball playing weight. Um, but I think the big thing that kind of connected while I was doing that is I started, you know, introducing it to some patients as well. And, um, you know, without documenting exactly with each individual, Diagnoses they had, they were getting faster, better, faster than than they had prior to me ever mentioning anything about um, diet before. So I guess for a long explanation that that was, that was kind of the whole you know game changer for me over the past three or four years.
2: When you said you got sick all the time, are we talking about colds and just compromised immune system, or or what? What did that? How did that manifest for you?
0: You know, that really was. It was. It was. Um, it was you know, I guess it's, it's been about five years since I graduated. And that first year, you know, it was, it was yeah, it was cold. It was getting colds. Um, I would say, obviously, getting not, not getting enough sleep either, not getting used to working, you know, full 40-hour work weeks definitely contributed to it. But um instead of it being just, you know, your standard winter cold, it was kind of like, you know, two or three or four a year, <laughs> or, 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 or like a uh, need for antibiotics. As so as, as so I thought, <clears throat> and then, you know, all these sinus infections that, that would never go away. And I just thought they were standard, but they were more than they had ever been before. So
2: what what do you think was the biggest trigger for you cuz sometimes it's grains for people other times it's something else that they didn't realize they had a sensitivity to or sort of an you know an allergy to and so what when did you start to really notice the difference in, in with diet and then you know the health
0: I think part of it was just you know right away there's two things it was just like there was a plan you know the plan was that not eating anything is okay, you know? And, and, (laughs) and, um, and the fact that like that gave control, uh, I think is a huge impact for a lot of people, not even me who, who follow, uh, the lifestyle and, um, and even people who, who, who you know, are able to tolerate and, and are not true celiacs, you know, but but maybe not I know have that they have a gluten sensitivity and and have bread every once in a while or, or have a beer, um, still recognize that, you know, excess is the reason that, you know, they might get feel really crummy or, or get in that systemic inflammatory state. And I think that was kind of the big game changer for a lot of patients was them recognizing that, You know, if they completely eliminate it, they can they can really have a a, an an advanced healing time. But you know, to understand that you know it doesn't have to be a complete crushing. You know, like if you eat it, you're not going to get better type of thing. So,
2: how did it manifest for you personally? Was it like the moment you took away grains or dairy or both, or or you know what was it about? how did it manifest for you when you saw the difference? You're like, wow, I'm not getting sick anymore, or I feel better, et cetera.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, I eliminated grains, you know, completely during that entire it was like six months, and um, I'd say probably more than the grains was just excessive spikes in blood sugar. So I had a fluctuating schedule. You know, I, I went one day from seven to three thirty. Next day, eleven thirty to to eight. And so it kind of went back and forth, and I was tired, like, constantly. And and my excuse was like, oh, you know, it's because my schedule is opposites. But it was pretty consistent that I was tired at the same time every day, you know, going to Starbucks, getting your latte, getting, you know, t- 10 o'clock, getting hungry for something else. So you were on
2: a sugar-burning roller coaster, and you kind of didn't even realize until then you realized. Uh-huh, <laughs>
0: exactly, Yeah. And the thing is, like the, the job itself, I wouldn't say really allows for you know continuous snacking because there's a lot of one-on-one time with patients. So when I realized that the the lull was because you know the constant crashing of my blood sugar, and that I was actually just cruising through the days, just satiated with healthy fats, and um, could actually go an entire shift without not necessarily needing anything if I had a, you know, a good breakfast, um, then, then that I started recognizing like, man, this is, this is great.
2: Um, isn't that strange because you, uh, I mean, I, it was a strange experience for me. I'm sure when you were training in basketball, you were eating every three, four hours or probably eating, you know, maybe even more than that. And, you know, these drops in blood sugar is so interesting when you get fat adapted and you experience the feeling of like going a long shift and you're like, what I didn't have to eat. And I also didn't pass out. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite amazing, I have to say. I mean, uh, just, I would sneak entire, like, Papa John's pizzas into the library and just crush them (laughs) after practice, (laughs) like, and, and then, like, I would be, like, I remember having a sinus infection for an entire month, like, just blowing my nose throughout practice, wondering, like, how I'm getting sick, and I'm like, oh, it's just because I study a lot, and, you know I'm not getting a ton of sleep, and it's just you know just looking back at it if i if I could have done college basketball all over again and and uh and just been smarter about my diet, you know it's just it's I wish I would have known you know
2: right yeah, no, we all do. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I would have known as well. um I want to talk to you about you know patients now and and what we're seeing because so I've spoken to a bunch of physical therapists and uh, you know, the, the ones that I've spoken to when I say, hey, so are you, what kind of injuries are you seeing? Are you seeing, like, you know, text neck injuries? Are you seeing, you know, computer? And a lot of them have said, actually, what we're seeing a lot right now is CrossFit uh, mm-hmm. injuries. And so I want to talk a little bit about CrossFit today. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with CrossFit. But the issue with it is that a lot of people tend to do it in an obsessive manner, Sometimes, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's talk about some of the perils of that because a lot of it is serious overtraining. If, if no one knows what CrossFit is, it's a, it's a great exercise philosophy. You're you're doing a different workout every day. It's sometimes, what, 20 to 30, 40 minutes. You're doing all sorts of different strength and mobility exercises. But the people that are doing it five-plus days a week who aren't super pro-conditioned athletes are finding themselves, you know, in your office. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that occurs and talk a little bit about on a a deeper level than I can about overtraining.
0: Right. Um, That's a great question. So, I mean, I'd have to say um, I'm in a pretty active part of um, California. I would definitely say maybe, uh, you know, a little bit different with the tech industry up here in Palo Alto. But, I mean, I I do see a fair amount of... um, you know, patients that are, you know, are very, very active in the CrossFit community. And, um, you know, we have NorCal CrossFit up here. And I mean, some of those CrossFit coaches, you know, are are some of those intelligent and passionate people I've ever met. Um, And and I think that it's a great, great workout. But yes, I am seeing a fair amount of people um, coming in and and for varieties of injuries. Um, and, And yes, it is overtraining. But, uh, I mean, just for an example of, uh, some, some common things that you'll see is like shoulder impingement, which is kind of just, uh, you know, irritation of the shoulder from, you know, repetitive movement. So maybe a lot of pull-ups or uh, a lot of snatch, a lot of overhead lifting and, and, many repetitions, um, with limited shoulder motion that some people may have, um, can cause some injuries like this, uh, or, you know, very, very weak core and hip, and people are trying to complete that same snatch. Uh, I've had several people come in with ACL, MCL, and meniscus, um, you know, completely ruined from knees buckling in and having to go and have surgery. Um, now, those sound like pretty severe things, um, and and that is a pretty high severity of an injury. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. If
2: you have um, to get surgery, then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a big deal. And and a lot of people who are, who are runners will argue that they'll never do CrossFit, but wouldn't know that there's a lot more runners that I see who have, you know, plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis, uh, you know, different types of maybe a low severity uh, or irritability, um, but, but very prominent, you know, I would say even more so than, than CrossFit. So um, I think like the main message I, I would really try to reach out to anyone who's interested in, in CrossFit um, is just that if you're gonna be training or or you know wanting to incorporate exercise <laughs> into your lifestyle, that if you're getting hurt uh, during the working out part, um, then you're working out wrong. So, um, that's kind of the, the overtraining aspect. And I think it comes down pretty much to personal goals. If your, if your goal is to compete in the CrossFit games, um, you know, your, your, your level of competition and and rigorousness is going to be different than if you want to make sure you're just able to bend over and pick up your kids and play with them on a
2: day-to-day basis. Right, but with CrossFit. So I read a men's journal article. They they talked about a study where they studied, you know, 700 plus crossfitters and like 51% of them had an injury the prior year and some people were saying, well, it could be a product of someone doing something wrong, you know, in a workout. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the element. I think another big element is and we and see this in yoga a lot. People feel the need to push themselves to do what everyone else in the room is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you
2: have that competitive environment, where yoga necessarily isn't that competitive, but there's people sometimes who are newer to it, or who feel this pressure to look over at the person next to them on the mat and try to get into that same position. But mm-hmm. for example, I'm five two, and I can't get into certain positions because they will crunch and be, you know, inappropriate for for my side let's say where I might mm-hmm. have to put my arm on my knee for something where a person who's very tall could reach the ground with their right. hand you know and it's just so i basically do my own thing in yoga but i have myself gotten injured in the past trying to mimic what someone else is a, you know able to do and so when you enter into a very competitive environment and a very team go 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 push yourself type of environment i think there's a lot of pressure i don't think it's intentional but i think there might be a pressure that someone might feel to push themselves, even though something's starting to hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, I'm Absolutely. sure, I'm sure you probably get a lot of, a lot of that, you know, there's over, yeah. over zealous exercisers who, you know, and, and I think the message is, Hey, don't, mm-hmm. it's not about how other people are going to judge you. Stop doing it the moment you are sensing pain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's the big learning curve. I think it's, it's educating, you know, the population on, on training through pain. And, and if you're, if it's hurting and, and knowing the difference between, you know, a sharp pain or a muscular pain, or when it's time to stop is, is really a, a kind of a big part that I think physical therapists can have and, and kind of teaching accountability. I mean, we all have different abilities to move and, and based on our daily activities, our bodies have different adaptations. So, you know, you be, you know, might be, You know, sitting down right now but get to be active throughout the rest of the day based on your environment while some of the people here working at Google are sitting in a chair all day. And if you guys both meet up at yoga, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you, you know, on your stand-up paddle board might be a little bit more limber than the guy who's been sitting down on that chair for eight hours. Um,
2: right. There's that other element, you know, mm-hmm. going to CrossFit, jamming in on it, doing it, you know, I'm going to jump in full force, and then you're then sitting the rest of the day, let's say, right? Right, right exactly. <laughs> you're not necessarily stretching or, you know, oxygenating those muscles like you might if you were walking around. Or So I guess it would be important for people who do do CrossFit and then work an office job to
1: mm-hmm. make sure,
2: what, that they're standing and still moving and, you know, kind of working some of those muscles lightly throughout the day in a natural way, Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely i mean and and the the reality is i'm not saying that if you're not active during the day that you shouldn't be doing anything after or should only be doing light work i mean muscular adaptation is great it's going to improve their power their strength they'll get muscular hypertrophy and endurance i mean i think it's 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 amazing that that that's the trend now i mean like i'll never argue (laughs) with you know the the concept that people are are excited to move you know by things <laughs> yeah, you know sure. um, especially lifting heavy things I mean as is, is one of the biggest things in in the primal blueprint you know universal movement patterns are are huge for people to do and, and instead of just going to the gym and hang out in the elliptical all day um, which is still even better than sitting on the couch you know um, I, I really think that if people can be kind of just guided and just educated and and doing the, the right move, then then there's a lower chance of injury, you know, so.
2: Right. What about, let's talk about one of, I guess, probably, other than having to get surgery, one of the perils of overtraining. I was reading about a few people that had done some serious overtraining and got something called rhabdomyolysis, which is where muscle tissue can break down and poison the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And not, not to scare everyone out there, but to just warn that, you know, to seriously overtrain your muscles could actually lead to a problem. Can you talk a little bit about this condition like what happens? Yeah. You know how this happens?
0: Yeah, this is a I mean, this is pretty serious, you know, muscle injury. You know, it's actually um it's actually death of the muscle fibers and um it, it's released into the bloodstream. So, um it can lead to like kidney failure and um uh, and and the way that it's usually recognized is when uh, the muscle is removed through waste and, and concentrated in urine. So, um, it, you know, in rare cases, it, I think you know it's pretty um, not it's not common, but it, it can lead to to death. And it's it's um it's a it's something that's been coming up a few times I've overheard in, in the in the CrossFit, um, you know. Chatter. Yeah, but I mean, it can happen. You know, anywhere. If you're, yeah, I mean, you could be an elite athlete and you can be a couch potato. But um, it's 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 pretty much extreme muscle strain. So, um, you know, it's dangerous in, in that like the muscle mass is is actually breaking down. Um, but I think this is kind of where you know that education and, and how to push yourself is um is important. And and I think, I think that's part of the education on on pushing through pain and knowing what your limit is. Um, you know, like a a really good example is if someone is doing, um, you know, like a snatch, uh, which is an Olympic lift, getting a weight over your head. Uh, the main purpose of that lift is to, you know, use, use your core, use your hips, use your, your body to get the weight overhead because your shoulders are not strong to do it at least multiple times by itself. So if someone fails to do that lift, um, it doesn't make sense to keep that weight the same and try it again when you're tired. That's mm-hmm. where there's like a lot of injuries, right? So so I think kind of going back to what you said where people are like, oh man, but this person's doing this weight. I got to do this weight. That's, I think, a big component of, of patient education that I have with people. You know, not everybody's body is the same and, and, and good movement is better than any number you know, and, and 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 you know, I am not saying that you shouldn't have personal goals that cross with a lift certain weight, but if you're not doing the movement right and you're doing repetitive motions and, and burning yourself out and not recognizing these pain patterns, you, you're putting yourself in positions to to you know, for some of these things like rhabdo, you know.
2: Right. So you so in that scenario you'd say if you were like there training that person, you'd say, Hey, lower the weight, try the movement correctly and see if you can actually do the movement the way it's supposed to be done. At a lower weight, then try to attempt it again with what you just couldn't do. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. Okay. So so everyone, don't overtrain. <laughs> no. Um, but but it is. It's it's a, a lot of the overtraining comes from what too many rep, reps, not enough rest. So then, what's the proper amount of rest? Let's say I just jump into a crazy training routine, and um, maybe I've been athletic and I go to the gym a little bit, but you know I'm really starting to do some weight stuff, uh, weight bearing, whether it be with my own weight or, or weights at the gym or, or some other type of, or CrossFit, what, what should I be looking at? Should I look at like twice a week to start, go up to three? And unless I'm a serious athlete training with enough rest and nutrition, don't really go above that per week when it comes to, you know, serious weightlifting. I mean, we sort of say in the primal blueprint, you know, two to three days a week, depending, um, who you are and where you're at. But, you know, when you're doing – if you're doing CrossFit every day, that means you are literally doing some serious weight-bearing stuff five times a week. Is that really enough time to let your muscles rest?
0: Right. I mean – I mean, that's exactly kind of like what I was talking about with basketball. Like, I mean, I could get away with eating entire pizzas, you know, but, at, at like, it, with compromise to my health, you know what I mean? Well, you didn't totally <laughs> get away with it, did you, yeah, right? No. I mean, you
2: thought you were, but then you... <laughs> yeah, you I guess in,
0: the, in a in college body mindset, I thought I was getting away with it, but um, you know, some of these people are, are, are kind of maybe, you know, getting away with it because they're eating more, you know, and, and not all these people are Michael Phelps eating 6,000 calories a day and swimming that many laps. So, you um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, the, the, you know, some of those primal blueprint, um, you know, stages like, uh, the, the amount of push ups pull-ups, body weight squats and, and planks, you know, just general body weight really shows your ability to control, um, you know, movement. And I think, I think that if you're able to kind of complete some of those, uh, tasks, well, it really is a, a definitive way of describing your strength, you know? And, um, I would definitely say, you know, for a beginner, two times a week is a a great starter. I I think, you know, I I, I don't really, I think there's many people who who lift heavy twice a week and are overtraining. Um, And I'm not even really concerned that there's that many people out there who are overtraining. I don't think rhabdo is as common um, as, as people are bringing it up for, you know,
2: I wouldn't, I didn't want to say that, that I think that mm-hmm. that's a common injury or, but it's just, it's like the end all be all peril of overtraining at its worst, I guess. Right, right. Just when you yeah. bring out the worst part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like how people bring up concussions with football, but might not know that, you know, women's gymnastics is like the largest concussion, you know, injury prone sport that there is out there for the, you know, the younger population. So
2: you fall off those (laughs) parallel bars (laughs) on your head and, uh, yeah, Yeah. it's terrible dismount that could Mm -hmm. be. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And then, you know, like, what would you say? Hey, stop at this. Unless you are a well-conditioned athlete, like what's the max for someone like me, let's say, you know what? Three times a week. And beyond Mm -hmm. that, I might not be giving myself enough time to recover.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I th- I think that goes back to uh, personal goals again. So I mean, um, you know, if, if your main goal is to just to be a well functioning human being, you know, I think I think two times a week is is plenty, is more than enough. And there's so many other things that you could be doing to kind of complement that that heavy lifting. But I would also say that you know, if you're really you know, if if CrossFit's new to you and and you know, you want to be more than just a you know. A parent, and, and maybe you don't want to compete crossfit games, but you want to, you know, train for something because it's you're motivated and you, you know, you love the adrenaline rush of, of you know, lifting heavy things. And um, then I would say, you know, get practicing with some of those movement patterns. Um, I would try to see a physical therapist. I mean, you know, get get seen, have someone check your your movement your ability um, because if you're unable to move well and you're trying to do hang cleans and and deadlifts and your your movement is compromised by these restrictions then yeah lifting even two times a week you know is going to be dangerous if you're not doing it right so i think bottom line it's pretty much you know if if you can't do the movement right or you're a beginner and you're trying these movements and you're tired and you're like that's when you're you're putting yourself in a position to get hurt so
2: so take the next day off and rest before you right. attempt again Let's talk a little bit about the paleo improvements you've seen in clients with pain. We talked about that briefly at the beginning, and you know, even uh, Mark Sisson was on Dr. Oz not too long ago. They talked about the paleo prescription for pain and all of that. And mm-hmm. um, I know I've had friends who've given me personal accounts where I'll get a text and someone will say, "Oh my God, Uh, after a month of quitting grains and dairy, oh my gosh, my back pain is like 10 times, you know, 100 times better than it was. I can't believe this. They're just, they're like blown away by it. And these are people that were in shape anyway, exercise. It's not as if, they were, you know, sitting around the couch and and got injured. It's it's these are people that are taking care of their back injuries and doing things, you know, to help themselves and they still had chronic pain and now it's going away. We know about the inflammatory effects of these things and anyone can look on Mark's Daily Apple to, you know, read more about it. But let's hear about some of the success stories and some of the, you know, before and afters of your practice.
0: Absolutely. Um so, I mean, the 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 biggest part of physical therapy is, is, um, you know, it it truly is pain management. I mean, that's one of the first questions we ask people is, is all right, you know, show me where your pain is. And, um, pretty much, um, you know, there's, there's so many contributing factors that, that can cause pain. And some of it is pretty like psychological too, you know, Mm -hmm. um, chronic pain, um, can be a recurring cycle and without getting, you know, too deep into what central sensitization is. Sometimes there's a, a, a pattern of of chronic pain that is very, very painful, and the people are perceiving the pain, and it really is there. But you know, it's been over three months, and actually, that tissue is healed. You know, but what they're perceiving is the uh, heightened sensitivity to the pain. So even though you know the tissue is healed you know, when they, when they work that muscle or, or, or they're using it and uh, they feel pain, it's like almost sense uh, memory as if it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's not phantom pain. A lot of people. Yeah. I was going to, I
2: was going to ask about that. that. Like when you, and that's when you like amputate a limb, you know, but someone still is feeling the pain and it's kind of not quote possible, but yeah.
0: Right. No, it's it's really, it's It's really there. It's just like a heightened sensitivity to it, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. So, and when that happens, sometimes a big part of, of a PT's job is kind of to educate like, Hey, you know what you're perceiving is is not necessarily what's right with the injury. And, and, and it's not telling them that their pain is not there because it really is. But to deal with it, sometimes being in physical therapy is what helps. I mean, working out, doing, you know, the bike, which, you know, I'm not saying that that's a huge part of the, the, the treatment session, but the exercise, the therapeutic exercises that we're doing is going to, you know, give people that, um, you know, boosted adrenaline and endorphins, and that creates a positive impact on their brain, which actually helps that um, that central sens- that central sensitization to, to decrease that heightened sensitivity of pain. So that itself is one example of how. You know, people start having decreased pain with physical therapy, and I'm not, I'm not even, even talked about like putting my hands on them yet. So
2: right, and I'm also assuming that in this case, hypnosis might actually be helpful for some who are still experiencing things beyond maybe. I've seen, yeah, I've
0: definitely seen some uh, some research articles, you know, backing backing that up. Um, but I, I don't have a ton of experience with it myself. I definitely, I definitely believe though that if we can convince people that they're healed, if they know that they're doing better if they can recognize like showing them that their range of motion is improved or proving to them that their strength is better than it was before they start you know like you and i discussed before like those synapses in their brain like they start connecting they start realizing like hey you know what i really am better and that that itself kind of continues the the cycle of of improvement and decreased pain as well um so,
2: yeah, that's interesting, and I like that. You know, before you even have to touch them with your hands or manipulate them, it's uh, an education, and really sort of their brain and their perception of that injury, and you know, talking to them about that—that's something a lot. You know, we, we know doctors aren't doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. I mean, like the chronic pain is is not always like that. I mean, sometimes people are acutely injured, right? And and telling them that you know. I mean, that pain, I mean, definitely is, is, is pretty present and, and not everyone has, has chronic pain that's, you know, centrally sensitized. I mean, sometimes it really is injured tissue, right? So, and, and that's kind of where the, the hands-on part comes, right? So maybe there is someone who has a lot of swelling after, uh, you know, uh, knee replacement. So, you know, that's where manual therapy comes in into the in, in act. So, you know, decreasing swelling by doing soft tissue work or, or passive stretches to kind of help circulate blood flow in that in those healing tissues that's that's the other part that's pretty much what physical therapy is, is known for and, um, and so i kind of started recognizing the the decreased just overall inflammation in my body. And, and, you know, even just kind of interestingly enough, like shoes were fitting me differently than they were before. And, Interesting. Um, <laughs> Cause maybe there was
2: a little <laughs> swelling going on there or something. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. So, um, so, I, like, I guess, um, you asked for a couple, you know, success stories and, um, you know, I had a, a patient come in who, who, who was like 36 and, and pretty much told me that, you know, his doctor told him that, you know, he had some labral involvement in his hip and that, he was looking at, you know, maybe, you know, needing a hip replacement. Um, and I really, like, a lot of the, the tests that were showing were, were um, he was pretty low irritability, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think from the bottom line, he was pretty worried. And, and sometimes, in, in physical therapists are guilty of this, but kind of creating that fear cycle, which is kind of mm-hmm. the opposite of that that the helping with the pain cycle, right? You know, now you're facilitating more reasons to think you have worse <laughs> right. pain. Um, but, uh, so I kind of, you know, I led him to Mark's daily apple. I, I kind of, you know, just told him about, you know, how systemic inflammation is, is more than just, you know, working out and, and how big diet, you know, plays a role in, in his recovery. And, uh, you know, in the, in the six week I, I, I saw him, he lost 10 pounds and Wow. Nice. I think I think, you know, I, I it's hard for me to to gauge everything he's doing, but I, you know, I could see him 3 times a week for, you know, or 2 2 times a week for 6 weeks and um, you know, that's that's a lot of accountability on my part, you know, if I'm seeing someone that that often. And um, for every, you know, pound you excess body weight you have taken off your body, that's you know, 4 pounds of force that's eliminated. So, 10 pounds times 4 is 40 pounds no longer going through that hip. And after six weeks for him to have no more hip pain and to know that he's not going to need a a hip replacement at least anytime soon, as long as he keeps up with, you know, clean eating and staying active is, is, you know, is a really rewarding thing to see.
2: So let's talk before you go on to the next one. I want to just chat briefly about that. So, you know. Uh, as, uh, my coaching partner, Eli pointed out on one of the podcasts, she's like, if you're the thing, that's the heavy lifting, right? If you're, if you, if your body is what you are, you know, you don't have to go to CrossFit to do heavy lifting. If you have a lot of excess weight on your body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about that impact. So in this uh, person's situation, even 10 pounds was uh, enough, right? To release mm-hmm. a lot of this pain. Is that what you're saying? I mean, aside from, of course, mm-hmm. the physical therapy and the education, but it sounds mm-hmm. as though just some weight loss really assisted this guy.
0: Right, right. And, and you know, I, I would love to see more research done on this, but I have to imagine, you know, six weeks, you know, two times a week and – increased strength from the moment sure. I saw him to the day I discharged him, he had to put on lean, mo- lean body mass, you know? So, right. so was it more than 10 pounds of fat lost? You know, like I'm, I'm certain there was probably of more than that. So, um, and that's the other thing too, you know, the, I think some of the misconception is that people who have arthritic type pain think that maybe if, if they get more muscle, then that it's going to compress areas even more, but actually your body actually aligns more anatomically and, and, and there's increased joint space. So, um, That's kind of how increasing, you know, muscle mass.
2: Why would someone believe that? So give me, give me that example. I'm not in your world, but give me an example of why someone, let's say with arthritic pain would think increasing muscle mass would somehow hurt them.
0: Well, I guess maybe the way I'd phrase it is is that is, you know, sometimes there's a thought that doing exercise might hurt them. Oh, exacerbate the inflammation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't think they think that increasing muscle will, injure them. I think they're just their their main thought is, you know, why am I doing exercise? I just want to get the swelling out, you know, and and people sometimes don't understand the purpose of of therapeutic exercise and, and, and maybe they come in thinking that like, oh I thought physical therapy was just gonna be massage or manual therapy and, and that does play a big component. Um, but I, I think just kinda of educating the patient on what happens when you build muscle and how it actually creates space or, or, or true space um, in those joint line areas that sometimes are arthritic when when they're compressed consistently that that kind of helps facilitate that learning curve too of how to decrease pain
2: and what you guys are really great for as well is that even people out there who might have some pain and issues, but let's say they're not even necessarily that active, going to a physical therapist can really treat you about how you are standing, sitting, how your neck's, you know, how your head is on your neck. Like back in the day, I I took things like Feldenkrais and Alexander Technique and things that we, you know, people do in a lot of like fine arts programs. And it's, um, you might know about those techniques. They're just really subtle techniques to to be aware of how your body's positioned. And sometimes sitting at the computer, you know, your shoulders go forward. And -hmm. then next thing you know, you've got neck pain. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
2: you know, physical therapists can really help. People with that, with with understanding how it is that they're actually moving. So it's not just for people that have some, you know, injury. I I would open the door for anyone to go see a physical therapist who's just really not sure. Like, am I sleeping wrong? Am I am I sitting in my chair wrong? You know, maybe this is not the ergonomic position I need to be in if I'm constantly having pain here. You know,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. exactly. I mean, I think I I really believe everyone should see a PT at least once a year, and I think it would reduce the number of injuries and, and, and slow the process of developing arthritis, you know, as much as seeing a dentist does for, um, slowing down tooth decay and preventing the need for cavities. I mean, we, we, we go to the dentist twice a year so that we can eat right and, and smile well, but what are we doing for our entire bodies? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the best, the best example I can really give too is, is going back to that accountability of that, um, that patient I saw, you know, you've seen him two times a week for six weeks. You know, we all know that when your dentist appointment's coming up, you know, you might be taking <laughs> extra care of that, you know, flossing extra well or, you know, buying the really good mouthwash, you know, just, you know, wanting the checkup to go really well. And um, accountability wise, I mean, I, I can spend sometimes, you know, more time with a high school kid than he see, even sees his parents, you know, and, right. and if, if, if you're not addressing nutrition whatsoever as a healthcare provider, I don't know if I'm really doing my job well.
2: Yeah. And a doctor I just interviewed, Gary Forsman, said the same thing about doctors. Why would anyone go see a doctor that knew nothing about nutrition? It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, and same with physical therapists because any, you know, I can come in and you might help manipulate something and help me feel a little bit better on the way out. But then if I go out and eat a Papa John's pizza in the locker room, (laughs) I'm going to be, I'm not going to be doing so well. Right. Um, Yeah. Accountability. Uh, I don't know what I I was just thinking of something else too, just with, Oh, I, I, so I have, um, had some injuries in my lifetime and I've, as a result, just because as we know, you know, instead of taking an Advil, I would go get like a a deep tissue massage, let's say. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really would help with a lot of things when I got creaked up and whatnot. And recently I, Uh, did some new exercises and really was sore and slept wrong. And anyway, long story short, I went to get a massage, but the massage therapist was in physical therapy school. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, it was a whole different level of massage. I've gotten so many massages in my life, but this guy was like, you know, his level of understanding of the human body was Mm -hmm. amazing. I could just tell the difference you know what I mean? Of mm-hmm. his training in, in yeah. my massage. It was, be- and I've had a lot of amazing massages with amazing people, but this one was like, whoa, this guy's <laughs> getting in there. He's getting <laughs> under my armpit. He's manipulating things. I never even like, no one has for years. And it, mm-hmm. it was an amazing experience and it kind of made me go, oh, you know, I, I, I should go see a physical <laughs> therapist a couple times a year. Um, yeah, it was really absolutely. impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I had to say like, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, bringing more awareness to the, you know, the, how le- legitimate, you know, the education is and, you know, exercise physiology and, and, you know, anatomy for these professionals are, are, I feel like almost uh, underutilized. And I think, um, the more awareness we can create around it for, for everyone with, with how much, you know, more injury is of low back pain and, and chronic low back pain, uh, more than anything, um, can really decrease if we if we can make it more of a known resource that people can reach out to. Um, I, I think I think just really striving to get people to to understand the way their body moves, um, you know, and, and seeing someone to kind of really break down the pattern for them is, is is an amazing opportunity to really see how you can continue to stay as functional as the goals that you want to set for your life.
2: Yeah, and in my experience, I, I had hand therapy many, many years ago, like fifteen years ago, and the the physical therapist that I was dealing with, and three times a week at the time, and and I would say this about you too, physical therapists are some of the nicest, most compassionate people ever, you know. I mean, there were people in hand therapy with me that had had their hands, you know, cut off and were being reattached. And then there was just somebody who was in there because they were a dentist doing repetitive injuries, you know, and weird hand, our emotions all day and they got something wrong with them. But I have never the level of compassion and understanding. I mean trying to a physical therapist when you're in pain I just can't imagine anyone nicer and sweeter on that other end it feels like you guys are a really sweet bunch of uh, people very under- I guess you have to be in, to be in that profession or if you're not definitely going to get repeat clients
0: yeah i mean i definitely have to say there's a pretty big psychological component to it that's that's huge and i mean you know i, I reflect back on some of the things that you know, Alessandra Wall said, you know, at Primal Con and, and, you know, I, I, gosh, like some, like, I mean, it's just a fraction of what, you know, some of the stuff that she has to deal with from a, from a psych standpoint, but that's where I really feel like, you know, we already have the exercise component figured out and the more that we can bring around it to patients to understand exactly what's going on, um, with their body and, and bringing that, management of pain and control is, is definitely a great huge step. But if we can actually bring that nutrition component as well, you know, and, and getting good sleep, both of those things are actually going to help decrease pain and, um, improve, you know, those endorphins and connect those synapses in their brain so that they understand that they have control of, of their injury.
2: Yeah, this uh, and then you know to to close out this conversation, I'm kind of laughing because here we are talking about overtraining and not that we did because it wasn't chronic cardio. But when uh-huh. you and your girlfriend came down, we uh-huh. did like a three hour workout, which was, right. <laughs> we like <laughs> hiked for two hours and then we went on a beach walk for another hour. Mm-hmm. And I was just laughing. I'm like, wow, I, I don't think I've had. That serious of a like leg workout in, uh, in, in a <laughs> yeah. long time. It was, but we didn't go over 75% of our max heart rate, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: no, I don't think we'll have any rhabdo for any beach walks, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with, any tips? Or um, or also, I guess, what? how do we go about finding the physical therapist that's right for us? Not everyone can come and see you. So what are some things you would ask or research or look into before choosing a physical therapist? You know,
0: I, I, would, I would definitely, um, you know, first make sure you have some goals aligned for what you really want. That's a question that I think a lot of physical therapists, <clears throat> good physical therapists will ask you on that first day. You know, it really helps kind of figure out what the treatment plan will be for you. So, um, you know, I would definitely, you know, go online and, and Google, you know, physical therapy near you. I mean, people are fairly, you know, aware of, you um, some things that set people apart from others. Um, for what you're looking for, you probably are going to be in a orthopedic setting. If you're looking more for a fitness or return to a, a gym type setting, um, and, and just kind of you know make some phone calls. And if any of them are willing to do uh, injury evaluations or screening, that's usually a really good place to start. Um, many people are very very willing. To, to have you come in and and, and get looked at for, for a free injury assessment if you're hurt. Um,
2: like a free but, consultation.
0: Correct, correct. Right. Um, and uh, at the same time too, a lot of those movement analysis is for people who are not hurt and want to kind of just see how they're moving um, don't cost more than you know a personal training session. So I, I'd highly suggest finding a place that um, is willing to do a movement screen, um, and, and, you know, paying for that once a year, even if it is not covered by insurance.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. I totally Mm -hmm. appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you guys back down in Malibu soon.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to the next trip down there.
1: All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And thanks everyone for joining us. Got a passion for Primal? Join Mark Sisson on a mission to save the world. Become a Primal Blueprint Certified Expert today. With our dollar down payment program, it's easier than ever. Just pay $1 to start and $89 a month for the next 12 months. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification is the most comprehensive online Primal Paleo Certification program of its kind. Explore the fascinating world of ancestral health from the comfort of your own home with this premier multimedia experience perfect for health and fitness professionals as well as individuals looking to uplevel their primal practice visit primalblueprint.com/get-certified to put a dollar down today